Today's reading is the parable about the rich man and the beggar, and it comes from Luke 16, verses 19 to 31. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let, them, let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Well, we've read quite a few parables over summer now, and hopefully if you've been here for a little while, you're sort of getting a feel of how these stories go. Jesus uses these stories to prompt us, to provoke, to provide a balm, I think, and also uh, to encourage us, I think, as we follow him, and even for those who are considering following him. And these stories are complex. Uh, sometimes we read them and we're like, oh yeah, we get that, and then we think about them a bit more and we're like, oh, wait, hang on, I wonder if it means this or that. Or um, they're, they're full of intrigue, I think, these stories. And uh, even after we've read them multiple times, there's still things to learn. And today's parable is no exception. There's so much complexity in the themes here and the interactions that happen. And while this may be a little bit surprising, this one actually reminded me of a Christmas movie that I watched over the holidays. And uh, this might be like, you know, it's the first week of Feb, so I'm pushing it here on whether I can mention a Christmas movie, but I'm going to go for it. Uh, I really like Christmas movies. 
they're terrible. Like, they are terrible, but they're just sort of the right sort of terrible that you're looking for over Christmas, where you just need a bit of downtime because they're lighthearted, they're not too serious, and they just, you know, when you just want something to wrap up within two hours, right? Um, the whole plot line is done and dusted. Nothing is too complex in a Christmas movie compared to parables, except when your Christmas movie is based on a moralistic Charles Dickens book. So hopefully some of you will have seen A Christmas Carol. Like, okay, cool, like five of you, some of you. Um, I mean, there was the whole like stage show over this summer, A Christmas Carol. I didn't get to go and see that. But there's like, Christmas Carol is like an ancient, I don't know how long ago Charles Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol. It's great. There's like the Muppets version. Friends, this is what I discovered over this December Christmas period. There's a Christmas Karen. I might be the only person because my name is Karen that can publicly mock a movie called A Christmas Karen. But I went there with fear and trepidation. I watched A Christmas Karen. Oh. <laughs> I saw it and I was like, should I do this? Are we going to do this? Yes. I like, you know, when you, it was, it was a thing. And I was like, should I do this? Should I? Yes. No. And I did it, friends. And I was like, the first three minutes, I was like, this is terrible. What am I doing? And then I was like, keep going. It's based on Charles Dickens. She'll redeem in the end. It was awful. It was so bad, but I, like, I did it. Um, yeah, she was a terrible, terrible person, entitled, middle-aged white woman. It was everything you thought it was going to be, and more. I don't recommend this movie. <laughs> Karen's have really had a hard run these last few years. <laughs> I'm not sure how to redeem from this moment, but anyway, we're going to persevere through two minutes into this sermon. Anyway, this was a terrible, terrible person, uh, sort of like our rich man. Anyway, she had no consideration or feeling for the people around her and very similar to our rich man who was terrible. Uh, a Christmas Karen was that. And actually, really sadly, it's actually not that far off to how we see a lot of people, actually. They just sort of want to do what they want to do and they don't really notice other people around them, which is really quite terrible. But true to the original Charles Dickens movie, thankfully, Karen is visited by some ghosts. I'm not sure if you've all seen this story, but I'll give you a very brief summary. Um, and the ghosts help her see that actually her actions and her values are really very self-entitled and that how you treat people matter. And that actually people are valuable just because they're valuable. It was very heartwarming in the end. But uh, that sort of change takes time and, you know, Karen was getting there by the end. Well done, Karen. Um, and it was a Christmas movie, so it all had to wrap up within two hours. Yeah, she was still very irritating by the end, so. Anyway, but we all know that real life isn't as simple as a Christmas movie. Uh, and we sort of see that in the parable that we read today. Uh, we encounter this rich man and we see that 
he just wants what he wants. He doesn't really consider what life is like for everyone else. And actually, it's a story of extremes. Uh, I think this is a story of an extreme rich man. And every time I read it, I think, gosh, it's just so extreme. And I don't think it's meant to be taken as here's a story that we can even relate to, actually. Uh, I think we're meant to be shocked at how big the contrasts are in this story. We're meant to be shocked at how this, ma- how this man, uh, this main character acts all the way through. Uh, and, and it's almost one of those parables that's written in uh, hyperbole. We're not, we're not meant to see this as an actual description of the afterlife or how it works because in the afterlife you can't talk to people from heaven and hell. Um, that's not the point of this story. The point is to teach us something about uh, life and death. So in this parable of extremes, we see an extreme contrast between a rich man and a poor man. We see this contrast between a rich man who discovers that his actions on earth have eternal consequences and a poor man called Lazarus. Fun fact, uh, you usually don't get people having names in parables. We don't know why Lazarus has a name. He just happens to have a name. Fun fact about this parable. Lots of people debate why he has a name and they still don't know the answer. Just an aside. But the focus actually is on the rich man. He speaks. He does most of the speaking. Lazarus does no speaking at all. And after living a life of extravagant luxury, selfish luxury, he only cares for himself, this rich man dies. And when the rich man dies, he discovers to his dismay that he ends up in Hades in hell and he's being tormented and yet even in this position he still acts like he's in a position of authority he's trying to order Lazarus around like he's in a position to do so because that's the position he was in when he was alive father Abraham says that there's a great chasm between Hades and heaven and that no one can cross that chasm so Lazarus cannot come and assist him Now, this is an aside because in life, he did have that authority. In life, he could order people around. And yet, in life, the rich man gave no care or concern for Lazarus, who sat right outside his front door, in need. In life, the rich man couldn't care less about this man who sat in need every day right in front of him. All Lazarus wanted was the crumbs from his table and the rich man couldn't care less. Now the roles are reversed and the rich man is asking for some help. A tiny bit of help, actually, just like the crumbs Lazarus asked for. He finally sees the sort of need that Lazarus had. And in his arrogance, he doesn't even acknowledge his previous fault. He's still only concerned about himself. Now, Father Abraham makes it clear that no help can be given to this rich man in Hades. And yet, even at this moment, this parable of extremes continues, the rich man is still not satisfied. He still continues in his requests for Lazarus to do things for him, ordering him about, sort of like a servant. 
This time he asks him, well, you can't come to me, but maybe you can go and visit my five brothers. They need help. Maybe you could help them so that they too don't end up in Hades. Maybe a visit from someone like you, someone from the dead, will help them. Well, once again, Abraham steps in, responding in the negative, telling them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Effectively, Abraham is affirming that the brothers have all the information that they need to make the right choice, just like this rich man did. Wow, what a story. This parable hits all the big topics, doesn't it? Money, power, justice and injustice, death. Jesus really knows how to tell a story that like just gets right to your gut. And I think sometimes we listen to a parable and it can be a bit overwhelming because how do we even begin to consider what this means for us? Which, which of those big topics do we tackle first? Are we meant to be one of those characters? Do, am, am I meant to relate to the, the rich man or Lazarus or where do we go from here? How do we unpack this? Well, just like the parable we read last week, the story uses money as a hook in. Jesus talks about money so often in the Gospels. In fact, it's the fourth most commonly used topic, or it's, uh, Jesus talks about it after. So there's the kingdom of God, God as Father, faith, and then money. Because money is important. Money determines how we live. It determines whether you eat, whether you sleep, how you live day to day, how you interact in the world, your social status. And that was true in Jesus' day, and it's true now. In Luke 16, uh, we read the first half of Luke 16 last week with the parable of the shrewd manager. We're reading the second half today, and that bit in between, Jesus says this about money. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is pretty blunt about this. I was doing a bit more reading during the weekend and Martin Luther sums it up like this. He says there are three conversions necessary. The conversion of the heart, mind and the purse. Perhaps the purse might be just as hard as the other two. Because dealing with money is hard. It always has been. Making sure we use it well, not letting it control or consume us, is why Jesus talks about it so often. That's why the shrewd manager was commended for his good use of money. But it's important to note that money isn't always seen as a bad thing in the Gospels. Uh, we have the story of Zacchaeus. He's wealthy and after he meets Jesus, generosity fills his life and his heart. In fact, I have some really good friends. Uh, they're very wealthy and yet generosity just 
flows out of them, just like it did in Zacchaeus' life. Being wealthy and not having wealth take the top spot in your life is something that Jesus talks about often. It's a wonderful thing. It's just that it's actually hard to do. We see it in our parable today. In our parable today, we see a rich man who is consumed by greed and self-absorption. So much so that he couldn't take a moment to care for one person who was literally outside his door. Now, this man isn't condemned for being rich. Let's be clear. He's condemned for his lack of compassion for others. His lack of care for the poor and the oppressed. In the kingdom of God, the value of caring for those in need is high, for seeking justice. The rich man had so many resources to help. This is the like uber wealthy people, right? Mark explained that last week. And he chose not to help this person. He also had access to hearing about Moses and the prophets. He knew that he could uh, turn to God and he chose not to. This is why he finds himself in Hades. Not because he's rich. He had the opportunity to respond to God and he chose not to. Now, amongst all the topics covered in this parable, you know, whether it's money or power or justice, there's one that sort of sits underlying under all of these, and that is that the time is short. The time to respond to God is short. And what we do with our time matters. This parable asks us to consider how we spend our time here on earth, our time here and now. Because how we spend our time here has eternal significance. We live in a world that values the here and the now, but it doesn't really want to deal with the long term. You know, we, we love the youth and the beauty, but not really the aging and the death. But we have a God who says, come to me. We have a God of the, the here and the now, but also the eternal. God who was and is and is to come. And we can trust that. You know, all these other things will fade away, but God is eternal. Money, power, justice. These are all important things in life. And we need to deal with them. They will come up time and time again. We will need to know how to manage them in our lives. The most important thing is how we respond to the message of Christ, who did rise from the dead. How will we deal with money in our life? Well, it will be impacted by how we respond to Jesus. Respond to Jesus first. And then out of that, how will we deal with money? How, we, how will we deal with power? How will we use the power we have? Well, deal with Jesus first and then ask Jesus to help us manage power and authority in our lives. The time is short and yet there's so many opportunities, so many people hungry for truth in the world. You know, the rich man eventually cared about, you know, his brother's and how they could seek and find truth. Well, hopefully we all have people in our lives that we want to know this truth. The time is short. And this parable 
gosh, it's a bold one, isn't it? It asks, it prompts us to ask some really hard questions, I think. It asks us, is money an idol in my life? Do I take time to care for those around me? Is compassion something that I regularly practice? Am I aiming to grow the values of the kingdom in my life? And ultimately, am I, am I putting Christ first to help me then answer those questions? Because these things are hard. They're not easy questions. They're not easy things to deal with in our life. But we don't do this alone. We do this with Christ. We do this in community with others. And so as we uh, get into the new year, let's begin by being intentional about dealing with the hard things, dealing with the raw, real things in life. Uh, Let's be encouraged that we walk with Christ. We place Jesus at the centre. We we are honest about these challenging topics in the gospel. And we do that in community. Uh, here at Oak Tree, we do it in small groups with each other. And we, um, yeah, we ask for help as we do so. Uh, so how about I take a moment to pray for us uh, and then we'll continue to worship God together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you Uh, for the good news of Christ, that Christ is at the centre. Lord God, as as we read your word, we're challenged by the things that we find there, the hard topics, Uh, but we know that we can walk with you as we read these things together. Uh, Lord God, we, um, we thank you that you don't shy away from these hard things that you help us face them head on. Help us to do that this year in our lives, to look at the hard things, to know that we don't do them on our own and help us to get our priorities right with you at the centre. Help us when we struggle, lift us up when we fall. And Lord God, help us to walk alongside each other in this long road of discipleship together. Lord God, thank you that we can keep coming back to you, to keep walking alongside you, to walking your road. And we thank you uh, that we can uh, journey together to sing your praise. Please encourage us if we need encouraging. Help us to spend time worshipping you. And we bring these prayers to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand, eh? Behold the Father's heart. The mystery he lavishes on us as deep.